All right, welcome to the uh, the Meme Factory podcast, Test Stream 6-2. We've got Greg Foss on tonight, Foss the boss. Foss, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody again, in case they don't know who you are, that would be fantastic. Sure, so Greg, thank you for having me. Uh, we met briefly, or not briefly, a great time in Bitcoin Miami. I met yourself, I met Big Sean Harris, who... Strangely enough, a kid from Canada, me calling myself a kid, uh, watched Sean play in the NCAA uh, college basketball tournament way back a couple of years ago. But um, uh, I'm a 58-year-old Canadian. I uh, care deeply for the Bitcoin community. It's brought me a ton of uh, uh, confidence that uh, the world can, in fact, turn around from the uh, unfortunate situation I find itself in. Uh, and I say that from the perspective of a guy who's traded risk for uh, 32 years, primarily from a credit lens, if you will. Um, I uh, worked at a, two different hedge funds over a period of uh, the last uh, 20 years. And prior to that 10 years, I traded uh, for investment banks in both Canada and uh, Wall Street. So I'm concerned about the world. Uh, I believe there's politicians in the world that have no idea what they're advocating. And uh, in that, I uh, am trying to promote uh, sound money policies, which uh, will be good for our children in all countries. Um, and here's what I know. Uh, I'm an engineer by training. Mathematics runs the world. It's very simple. And uh, there's too many people out there that don't understand math. They certainly don't understand credit. And they are putting their trust in the hands of politicians that have no clue what they're doing in terms of running our monetary and financial policy. So uh, I'm here to try and bring some uh, sanity to this world. Sound money is the basis of, uh, of our future. And Bitcoin is the best sound money that man has ever created. So Thanks for having me. I look forward to this conversation. It's really nice to meet the gentleman on this uh, podcast. Uh, such a great community. So you guys aren't going to be happy about this. We are happy to have you, Mr. No. Craig, how do you, how do I call you, Craig? I just called you Craig, right? That's good. Uh, so yeah, um, do you want me to sign were... out and sign back in? Well, we're getting, uh, we're actually getting no video right now. Uh, what the chat <laughs> is telling us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, yes. Are you kidding me? Not kidding you. Yeah, there's no video. There's, there's no sound, video. but there's no video. Oh man. Somewhere between me and Pedro, we have a, uh, we have a functional. No, I'm worried that your OBS still has control of this. <laughs> we should, this is a perfect time for an ad read if I, <laughs> um, OBS is all closed out, so you should be in good oh, shape. Shit. <laughs> this is the best stream yet. <laughs> well, we can we can still chat while I work on this. Yeah, sounds Feel good. Feel free to ignore me. Okay, right, so uh, we are all hitting. Uh, there's no problem in the stream. Everybody listening to this, uh, we're just. Uh, we like to uh, sit in the dark and uh, comp complicate and think about the future. And <laughs> we were talking as we were trying to fix things with Craig 
that um, I guess why we're bullish and um, you want to do a recap, Mr. Craig? Sure, guys. Yeah. So um, the recap of why I'm bullish. Uh, listen, there's some guys out there that are absolute, absolutely doing unbelievable stuff. All right. Uh, Jack Maulers, Twitter, Lightning. My boys in uh, Guatemala slash El Salvador, Ibex Mercado, Lightning Network in uh, in in uh, uh, El Salvador. Uh, they've I've been privy to some statistics that uh, they're sharing with me about their adoption rates and uh, and utilization. Uh, these things are off the charts. Um, I'm bullish on guys like Adam Bach, uh, who raised a bunch of money. And a portion of those proceeds are going to be used for ASICs chip manufacturing outside of the, uh, let's say, the communist influence. I'm bullish because China banned Bitcoin. I'm bullish because China banned Bitcoin mining. Listen, if you do everything opposite of what a communist regime does, generally you're going to be on the right side of a trade, okay? And them banning these, uh, this is the opportunity for the West to pick up the ball and run for it. I'm not criticizing communism as much as I'm crediting capitalism and creative destruction as being a primary driver of human wealth over time and space. So uh, without hitting too many other narratives, there are so many smart people in this space. Jack Mahler's is got to be under 25. Adam Back is not an old timer. Um, I'm an old timer and I've been searching for a solution for 25 or 30 years. I found it in Bitcoin and the community, the network, everything just keeps getting stronger. Energy, this ESG narrative is an absolute failure. Bitcoin will help solve that. And uh, it's just about education. So I'm bullish because my price target for Bitcoin is so much higher than it is currently trading at, but the probability of us achieving my price target goes up day by day. So if I keep my price target stable, but my probability adjusts higher that, uh, that we're going to achieve that price target, the intrinsic value of Bitcoin and the rationale for purchasing it for anybody in the world increases on a daily basis. So very bullish on both a fundamental as well as a financial probability risk return aspect. Thanks. We, uh, that was such a rational argument and so bullish that we had, we saw the light a little bit in the stream and we had video and, <laughs> and it's back again. So, that was great, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, I don't know if you, anybody has uh, any more qu uh, questions, but I do feel, I, I, I do want to repeat, uh, for me personally, like uh, until now, uh, we used to see all the bullish news coming out from the technical perspective of Bitcoin, like we're having upgrades, uh, we had those fork wars and et cetera, et cetera, and now, I feel like uh, we're seeing those uh, uh, first uh, positive uh, outcomes of those upgrades, like uh, in front of our eyes playing out in the real world that have an impact to everyday people. And that's such a, not only bullish, but 
such a wholesome feeling to see um, play out. So, hundred percent agree. And anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I I love that uh, we can do anything opposite of a communist country and call that uh, a win. I love uh, I love taking anything away from central control and turning it into a decentralized system. I think that's a winning move, no matter what you do. So. Uh, I'm bullish on that. Absolutely. Before, I'm, bullish, I'm bullish that the Chinese are scared enough to ban Bitcoin. And, <laughs> and like the, to me, that's that's just an admission that this is a problem for them, right? So they yeah. want to roll out these CBDCs. If you're gonna ban Bitcoin, every subsequent ban past that is just an admission that you can't ban it in the first place. So you keep banning it, go okay, go ahead and keep banning it. That's just rubber stamping to me that this is the right way to, to be investing your money. <laughs> Whatever the ban, we buy. That's the rule, right? Before we continue, uh, do you do we have uh, our sponsor? Yeah, I was hoping uh, we get uh, Greg to read our ad roll for this, uh, this sponsor. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, we're not getting paid. My kids aren't eating, so I don't know. Greg, I'll read it again, fine. Greg. I'm reading this uh, this DM you sent me, right? You, you, mean, first, you mean for... You mean, you mean for, for the, the first, first time? time. Yeah, the first time, time ever. Yeah. First time. I've never <laughs> seen this. Time. I've never seen it. Yeah. So here goes. Here goes. I'm reading it for the first time. Do you find yourself starting the day full of energy only to start flagging by midday? Question mark. Are you putting out tweets about infinite pizza? Question mark. Do you have trouble reading charts that show a hyperinflating, that show a dollar hyperinflating against Bitcoin? Question mark. Have you found yourself railing against entire countries? Just looking for a little freedom because you can't do grade eleven math. God bless you. That's my uh, that's my addition right there. Grade eleven math. God bless the sponsors. You. The sponsors knew that. Love it. The medical wizards at Pure Maths have created a revolutionary gluten free product that solves <laughs> for your inadequacy in the boardroom and beyond. Now you can just pop into the lavatory and plant a Pure Mass suppository straight. <laughs> up your anal cavity <laughs> you'll feel an instant jolt as you realize you've been doing math wrong this whole time the pure mass suppository is a special duration and convex convexity release formula that will have you doing basic calculation correctly all day don't hesitate to sign up with the special promo code hanky the squid for 6.15 percent off your initial purchase i love it thank you to the sponsors Yes. Okay. And now thank, can... you. And thank, thank you. We, thank you. We can continue. Uh, maybe get a, a new OBS subscription or something. What do you do with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, Greg, I've got a question, um, unless I just interrupted somebody here. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. All right. So, Greg, you, you tweeted out uh, a little earlier that uh, total debt, total global debt is denominated about 400 trillion USD. Um, this is the first market that Bitcoin is going to crack since that is just a fiat contract. And a fiat contract is preempted to base, pure maths. Um, clearly, you don't need our sponsor's product. I was hoping you could elaborate on what it looks like when Bitcoin cracks this market. So I try and keep things as simple as possible. Uh, I need everyone to understand what $400 trillion means relative to global sales or global GDP. And essentially, to keep the math easy, 
uh, total global debt is about four times total global sales. And global sales is your tax base or your ability to pay back that debt, right, guys? Because you have total debt, it has an interest coupon on it. And global sales is your tax base. And that tax base needs to pay your interest expense, plus it needs to pay accumulated deficits, plus it needs to pay uh, operating expenses. At the end of the day, when your total debt is four times the size of your total sales, it means that your total sales or your total GDP needs to grow at a pace that's unsustainable to meet the interest, even the interest obligations on the total debt. And let's run through that really quickly. I'm going to put an average interest coupon on that debt of 3%. And that 3%, remember the U.S. Treasury 10-year is at about 1.5 right now. High yield debt's at about 4% in the US, but I'll put a 3% coupon on average on all the debt, just to make the math easy. And I think that's a low number, but 3% on average means that your numerator is growing at four times 3%, right? Four times 3% is 12% growth in your numerator which means your denominator, your total sales or your tax base needs to grow at 12% annually just to keep pace with your interest obligation. That's notwithstanding all these trillion dollar deficit plans that these governments around the world have. And I look at that from a very simple perspective of it's very unlikely that global economy or global sales will grow at 12% forever, which means just the interest coupon on the debt is causing the debt burden to expand, which means we are in a debt spiral that is inescapable. And I'm going to bring some physics in here. We will never achieve escape velocity from the debt spiral. And I don't want to lose anybody in the, in the context. It only means that fiat currencies will debase forever going forward. They have in the past, but there was a chance that we could escape the debt spiral. But now it's a certainty that we cannot escape the debt spiral. That's very dangerous. Greg, now but, a debt spiral for you is synonymous with the, uh eventual hyperinflation, correct? Absolutely. It's, you know, you can call it, it's semantics. At the end of the day, the only thing that solves a debt spiral is more printing of money to solve the equation that total revenues don't equal your obligations. So you have to print it out of somewhere to satisfy that delta or that error term. So, there's lots of different words for it, but yes, that's one of the words. It is absolutely certain that fiat currencies will continue to debase and you need to hedge that. And the worst part of this is fiat or excuse me, bonds are a fiat contract. So if you lend money to somebody for 10 years at time zero, and over that period of 10 years, the borrower will make those payments back to you 
with a low probability of default. They don't default, but there's still a chance they will. But let's say they don't default. Over 10 years, you get your money back. But my goodness, 10 years after you lent them that money, the purchasing power of their return of your principal is going to be worth like less than 50% of its original purchasing power. Who enters into those contracts? Who is foolish enough to lend somebody money today to receive that money back in 10 years at 100 cents on the dollar, but that's 100 cents on a unit of account that has debased over that period of time. That's all a bond contract is. It's the biggest farce I've ever seen in my life. And yet there's $400 trillion of this out there. What does it look like when it cracks? I'll be very clear. I do not want it to crack. Nobody wants it. Because if it cracks, the world, as we understand it and know it right now, essentially has has reversed course and has deteriorated, deteriorated into a position where claims and priority of claims opens up courts of law. There are fights. There are battles over claims on assets. And that's not what I want to see, but that is the danger. And what does it look like? I'll throw the question back at you, Greg, Zaj. I'll throw the question back at you. What does it look like if we take preemptive measures right now where our fiat currency is still used as a checking account, but Bitcoin is used as a savings account? And this is my absolute wish that there's a parallel system that develops over time. It's a network transfer, essentially, where everything was working on or was measured on a fiat standard. But in the next couple of years, it transitions into a Bitcoin standard where people use Bitcoin as their store of value and a fiat currency as something that allows them to transact in real time at time zero. But it's not a contract because if you enter into these contracts, you're guaranteed to lose money. And unfortunately, most of the pension funds, lots of the mutual funds out there in the institutional uh, account land have tons of these contracts on their books. And it is a recipe for disaster for their unit holders, which includes lots of hardworking you know, blue collar workers in all sorts of industries that whose pension funds are being managed by these uh, illiterates, math illiterates who are saying, I need to own 40% of this portfolio in bonds. Uh, you know what? You actually don't. And if you do own 40% of your portfolio in bonds, you're a fool. Well, I want to interrupt yeah, real quick because some of them have to. They're, they're well, you say have to. Yeah, you say have to, Greg, and that's true based on investment guidelines that were put in place when interest rates were double digits. That, so to put that in context, 30 years ago, when I started trading in financial markets, US 10-year treasury yields were double digits. And this is when those investment guidelines were put in place. But now yields have compressed down to about 1.5% in the US 10-year. You can't make 
you know, it's absolutely certain that the return on your bond portfolio, if you had bonds in your US 10 year bucket, over the next 10 years, barring a default, the nominal return on those bonds is going to be 1.5%. That's your, that's mathematical certainty. But those guidelines, which were written 10, 20, 30 years ago, when interest rates were much, much higher, indicated or dictated rather that you had to own a certain amount of your portfolio and bonds. These guidelines so, need to be rewritten. So what's it, gonna, what's it gonna take to change the rules? How, how what, what needs to happen in order for these pension funds to damn. change their- And strategy? I wish it was that simple. It takes time. It's like everything. They're gonna realize they're not, they're not meeting their bogey, right? They have this actuarial assumed rate of return in their pension fund and after two years, they're going to realize, no, I didn't reach that actuarial uh, assumed rate of return. And then the actuaries are going to get in and say, you know, I told you your pension fund was funded, but now I'm concerned that it actually isn't funded. And they're going to have to go out there and say, I thought I was funded, meaning I thought that all those pensioners that were counting on these pension funds were going to be able to pay the pension. And the actuary has just told me, not going to happen. And again, I'm predicting this because it's 100% math. It ain't going to happen. These pension funds are going to have to turn around and find a better asset than a debasing bond contract. So I'll just say it once again. If you are invested in bonds right now, you are guaranteed to lose money over the next 10 years on a real basis. And if you own high yield bonds right now, you're probably going to lose money on a nominal basis, which means you're earning 4%. But after you subtract out defaults, after you subtract out your management expense ratio, you're going to lose money, guys. That's not a great way to save for the future. They need to take that allocation and parse it off into different buckets, including Bitcoin, in order to hedge against their foolish allocations up until now. The only, the only people making money off bonds are those that are investing into uh, Michael Saylor's convertible bond notes. Love <laughs> That's them. That's what I would say. That, that man is going to, yeah, Sean, he's going to rewrite the rules of capital markets and he doesn't even know that he is. He's yeah. just so smart that he says, wait a minute, these guys are lending me. So let's not even talk about his convertible bonds. Let's talk about his pure high yield debt issue. The first one he ever did. Okay. Now a convert, the reason I say this, and I don't want to get too technical, a convertible bond is actually an equity derivative. It's based off of the price of his equity more than anything. So let's remove that from the equation and just look at the bond issue he did that was not uh, related on a convertible basis or an equity option basis to his equity price. He issued debt at 6.125% when the high yield market at the time was yielding about 4%. So the high yield lenders are like, wow, I'm going to get 2% more lending to this company, 2% higher on average than the high yield index. The crazy thing was his credit quality should have 
based on pure S&P rating relative to the high yield index should have come in at, he should have been able to borrow right around 4% if S&P actually was a proper credit rating, but he paid six and one eighth. I bet you Michael Saylor was prepared to take out that loan at eight to 10%. Eight to 10. And they give it to him at 6% because they think they're raping him on the other side. And he's like, (laughs) buddy, I'm going to take all of this money. You're going to lend me. And and he's going to rewrite the laws of capital markets because Everything is based on an index that itself has been suppressed because the Fed has pushed down the rates of return expectations in all asset classes. Okay. And that's what happens when you get an elephant in the room. So I don't want to take too much of your time and this opportunity to just talk about Michael Saylor is a rocket scientist. We all know that he's discovered Bitcoin. We're all grateful for that. What people don't realize is how he's going to rewrite the laws of finance and open market funding in order for him to purchase more Bitcoin. It's a thing of beauty. And he's a very small company. But imagine if a company company like Apple started doing the same thing. It would blow the doors off. Capital markets everywhere. I wanted to kind of bring it back when we were talking about the debt spiral. I, I like to look at the debt spiral in kind of like a smaller uh, term where a lot of people can understand. And uh, I, I like to think about it like if I were to take out, if I were making, say, five $5,000 a month, right? And I have my bills to pay and all of a sudden I got a credit card and oh. now my payment is 50 bucks a month on my credit card. And then I start getting more debt. Now my payments, you know, it's a hundred dollars a month, and then it's one grand a month, and then it gets to be, you know, two grand a month, and then I'm pulling out more credit cards. Then all of a sudden I'm still making five grand a month, but now my payment on my credit is six thousand dollars a month, and so the payment that I'm making on my credit cards is now more than the money I'm actually bringing in, and I think that's kind of like a smaller version of what a debt spiral is, right? couldn't say it any better. In fact, let's put real terms on that. You're spending $6,000 on interest expense before you're even living, before you're even paying for all the food and substance that you need to survive that month as well. So that is adding to your burden and you just can't outrun it. It's, uh, it, it's pure math. I mean, I hate to say it again. It's so simple. <laughs> But it's pure mathematics. We, we, love, we love to hear it. We love, we love yeah, to hear and, that. Yeah. Pure math. Yeah. It is pure math. I mean, math. if, you're, so if good. your payment on your credit is more than what you're bringing in, then yeah. that is pure math. You're eventually, everything's going to run out and you're going to get maxed out on your Well, you get maxed card. out, Greg, or sorry, Big Sean. You get maxed out because the banks can max you out. The question becomes, when does the world max out the borrowers? Meaning in a debt spiral, everything can continue as long as everyone pretends the music is still playing. But what if there's a bond auction that actually fails? Then this is serious. What if you're trying to roll over your obligations and the buyers for your paper or your debt, they just don't show up? 
And but isn't like, that isn't that kind of impossible? Isn't that impossible with the Fed? Because won't the Fed you always argue buy? that until you look at and if the Fed is the buyer of last resort? I hate to say this, but Venezuela had a central bank that was the buyer of last resort as well. Until yeah. people said, "Thank you very much, central bank. Here's all the paper I own already. I'd like to sell it back to you and get out of my position." So they print more money, and the people that get that money in return say this shit is worthless and they throw it to their curb. They like, I don't want this. And they actually deposit it in garbage bags on the edge of the road. And I don't want this to happen in the United States, but people who say it cannot happen just don't understand what happens when the confidence of the bond market stops rolling paper for more paper, right, Sean? All these people are doing is rolling their obligation. Let's say a 10-year obligation matures and they say, okay, I'll go into another 10-year obligation. But what if somebody shows up at the auction and says, I want my 10-year obligation paid back and that's it. I stop rolling it. I don't want to roll it anymore. And enough of these people show up at the auction and just say, give me my money. I'm not rolling it. And everyone's looking around like, Farg. CalPERS stopped rolling their obligation. BlackRock stopped rolling their obligation. Vanguard stopped rolling their obligation. These guys are like, I don't want to be the last guy that is there to roll my obligation. And it just stops. It's like, there's no difference between a credit card lender to you that finally says, you know, Sean, we gave you... We gave you a thousand bucks a month. Then we gave you 6,000 bucks, though it's not a month, but th- your, your limit was 6,000. Now your limit's 9,000. And I'm afraid I don't trust you to borrow money from me anymore. So we're cutting you off. There's no I difference think, on that I think side. That, I think that was the perfect uh, timing for Labra to use the Scooby-Doo oh, oh, uh, soundboard. So you missed it, Labra. Uh, building, building on top of what uh, Big Sean and you, Craig, are talking now, like, is there a way for the common guy out there or woman to basically uh, copy and paste what Michael Saylor is dying, doing in a smaller? Uh, so what a great question. Yes, there is. But the first thing that anybody out there needs to do is research bitcoin like michael saylor did okay yeah don't forget the greatest thing that michael saylor did in my opinion is that he changed his position on bitcoin originally when he looked at bitcoin he's like this is a ponzi right yeah he 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 could have gotten into bitcoin three or five years earlier i don't remember what the the timeline was but it was substantially earlier. And he chose not to because he had not done the homework. But to his credit, he turned around, he did the homework and he said, oh my goodness, I may have missed it at a price of, I'm gonna throw it a number, $500 US a coin. But then when he understood what it was all about and I don't remember when he started getting in, but let's say it was even $8,000 a coin. It was 16 times higher than when he was first introduced to it. So 8,000 versus $500, 16 times higher. And he's like, dang, 
I want to buy it now. I understand what it's all about. And he didn't care about the price because he was worried that the price would go from 16000 up to 50000 before he got his fill. You remember that story? Yeah, yeah. He was it's so definitely. concerned. So, so all I would say is, why is Michael Saylor an incredibly good risk manager? Because he did research. And when he found out his thesis was wrong, meaning I don't believe in Bitcoin. Oh, maybe I do some research and I realize I was wrong. He changed on a dime. He didn't let emotion overrule his investment thesis. So is there a tool to out there for the common people to uh, use the system against, against it itself? There is. Great question, Yellow. Look, the first thing to do is your research. The second thing to do is understand you need to get a certain percentage of your, of your portfolio in Bitcoin. And if that means you need to borrow money, responsibly borrow money, yeah. meaning don't buy consumables on your credit card, but use your credit card rather than spending it on consumables, spend it on Bitcoin and put X dollars per month that you would be throwing away on, uh, you know, consuming stuff, yeah, consumer yeah, put it into Bitcoin as a savings mechanism. Use the ability to borrow money on a responsible basis and put it into Bitcoin. Because why? In 10 years, the money you've borrowed today, if you pay it back in 10 years, will be worth literally 65 cents on the dollar that you paid, that you borrowed today. That's how you use this to your advantage. And every single corporation Every single treasurer that's in the same situation should be doing that. They should be borrowing money from their bank or borrowing their money from the bond market and using those proceeds to buy Bitcoin. And in 10 years, let's compare your ledger. You need to pay the, 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 the lender 100 cents on the dollar back in 10 years. Mm -hmm. But that 100 cents on the dollar, if valued in Bitcoin, the Bitcoin you're holding, my prediction is that 100 cents on the dollar will be worth 500 cents on the dollar or a thousand cents on the dollar. It's a great trade, right? You allow them Bear. to lend you the money. Uh, can I, can I, I'll, I'll finish my question by asking uh, in, the, in this, uh, let's say, cheat uh, for the common uh, guy, like where where do you stand with uh, putting uh, your bit, some of the, your Bitcoin as collateral to buy more debt, uh, borrow more debt, more money? And uh, also, um, I forgot the second part. You can answer that first. So I'll answer the first part. Look, guys, get some Bitcoin, get yourself up to a percentage of your net worth at 10%. Yeah. Once you're at 10%, reevaluate your options. I am not a huge fan of collateralizing your Bitcoin holdings to borrow more. But I will say, look, most of the world has less than 1% exposure to Bitcoin. And that is a huge problem. Just get yourself up to a weighting where you can participate in the upside asymmetric return on Bitcoin. How you do that 
from zero to 10% of your portfolio, that's not a risk. If you decide you want to go above 10%, my advice to you is very simple. Make sure you have staying power. Make sure that you have a plan to get out from here to five or 10 years further that you're not going to get called away on your obligation. The worst thing that could ever happen is you put Bitcoin up as your collateral and the bank comes in and takes your Bitcoin away from you because there was a short-term market uh, repricing. Yeah. I think the most important thing for people to do, and you've heard this and I've learned this from the Bitcoin community, is to lower your time preference. I only want to talk to you guys 20 years from now. I don't want to talk to you guys 20 days or 20 months. I want to talk to you guys in 20 years. All right. I still hope I'm alive. But at the end of the day, this is what you're planning for is an absolute long game because fiat currencies always fail. And the U.S. dollar as global reserve currency has been around for 95-ish years. And guess what the average age of a fiat currency being the reserve currency of the world is? Oh, isn't that crazy? It's about 100 years. Yeah. So let's talk in 20 years. Because my bet is that the U.S. fiat dollar is in statistically a reversion to the mean where there's a big chance it won't be. Now, I don't want that to be the case. I'll reiterate. I want the U.S. dollar to be the reserve fiat currency, and I want Bitcoin to be the reserve asset, your savings account versus your checking account. Pristine collateral, right? Beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. But if you tell me that you need to go out and still spend money drinking beer and having big dinners and chasing, you know, all the good things in life, and you can't put a portion of that aside to save in the most pristine collateral, well, maybe you don't deserve to have the option to save in that pristine collateral. And maybe the credit card company is doing right by saying, dude, you're a spendaholic. And you got to adjust your spending habits to the reality that you got to live within your means and you got to store a portion of that in the best vehicle possible. And I believe that to be Bitcoin. Greg, we're we're coming up against uh, the time where we want to be respectful of your time. Uh, can we throw some quick questions at you? Yeah, yeah. No, I have all the time in the world for you guys too, right? I, I've, Great. Uh, yeah, so there's no rush on my end. But awesome. um, uh, yeah, please hit me with those questions and I look forward so I, to some. I think, uh, yeah, if uh, there's no problem with Greg, we can continue. Yeah, I've got a quick question. The, the hour. Yeah. I know Labra's got one as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Pedro. All right, here we go. Uh, in uh, in in um, is uh, without taking up too much of your time here. Why is Peter Schiff wrong about gold being able to be the world reserve currency again? I'll tell you that my debate with Peter Schiff was a uh, frustrating yet eye-opening uh, experience. Very simply. Imagine you're a really great running back and you're like, you, 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 you know, you're going to break out and run at least 80 yards down the field each time. But can you imagine fumbling the ball every single time on the one yard line? 
that you've break, broken out and you're this great running back. Peter Schiff allows his brain to and his conflicted uh, beliefs to overrule his risk management prowess. He has the absolute playbook designed for him to break out for these 80-yard runs, yet he won't allow himself to be carrying the beautiful Bitcoin ball. Bitcoin is better than gold on so many bait uh, levels that he's just conflicted when he says that, that, that it isn't. And all I can say is this. It's a shame that somebody who could have absolutely defined his career many times over has refused to pick up the ball or to change his, his investment thesis. I'll go back to Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor changed his thesis as he did more research on the opportunities presented to him. Gold has worked for 2000 years. I'm not telling people to sell their gold and go into Bitcoin. Absolutely not. I'm telling you to sell your bonds and go into Bitcoin before you sell your gold and go into Bitcoin. And on a relative basis, Pedro, this is really interesting. Remember, the bond market and the debt market is 40 times, four zero times as large as the gold market. That's who we need to be focused on is these idiot bond investors. Gold investors at least understand 99% of the thesis. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy by the name of Larry or Lawrence Leopard. Do you guys follow him? Lawrence Leopard is a gold bug who has allowed himself an open mind to invest in other hard assets that offer better asymmetric returns than gold. It doesn't mean he's, that he's abandoned his gold. It just means he's diversified his hard asset portfolio. So Peter Schiff should be there. Peter Schiff may well be there and he's not public about it and he's allowing his son to run with it. There could be a whole lot of those other things. But Peter Schiff is absolutely wrong on his thesis that gold is better than Bitcoin. I may have not done the best job in debating him. I will tell you this. The only point I wanted to make about him was that he was a horrible risk manager. Imagine getting that close to the gold line and fumbling the ball each time because he's conflicted. I love the I love the shots of Peter Labra. I know you had a a question for Greg. I'm gonna make sure we get it in here. Yes. So Greg, I do have to ask you a question. Well, more than a question is, I'm going to show you two graphics. Uh, let me share my screen, and I want you to describe these graphics each individually in one word. What do you think? Uh, I'm doing the fighting music. Okay. So this is the first one. Let me know if you see my screen. I see it. Okay. So this is the M1 supply. They actually updated this. Right. So they updated to the M2, and this is how the M2 looks like. So <laughs> in one word, in one word, how would you describe this? Fixed or 
okay. manipulated. Uh, it's all it's it's ugly. It's uh, disingenuous. How about that? Love it. Now I'm going to show you another one, which is my favorite, and it's tied to all the math and Bitcoin. And let me know how beautiful this is. Uh, it's more beautiful than I can describe. A picture is worth a thousand words. Come on. You are here. Awesome. Yeah. A picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Awesome. So this is the, the having. That's, that's more than one word, Greg. I just I'm want sorry. to make sure. Beautiful. Thank you. One word. Beautiful. beautiful. Awesome. Great. That's all that I wanted to show. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Labra, Labra. Uh, yes. Describe, describe a little bit what we're saying. Yeah, so this is the uh, Bitcoin supply. Okay, so this was the first halving. Uh, from we went from fifty uh, Bitcoin per block to twenty-five. So each of the cycles here, these are a four-year period. Mm -hmm. We are here right now, currently, and it's just keep going down, right? And then uh, here on the uh, blue line, you see the the Bitcoin in circulation. So that's what we are looking right now. And here's the neat thing, guys. I need you to think of this in the context of a gold uh, increase in price. There's no price here, but it's a supply demand uh, chart. The Imagine if the price of gold overnight went from the current price of $1,800 US an ounce to $5,000 an ounce. I'm just throwing out this... Uh, assumed scenario mm -hmm. do you think that gold would still continue to grow only at two percent per year if the price doubled overnight and i think all of you all answer that question none of you guys are going to say no no foss come on all these guys with marginal gold uh projects you know where uh lifting costs were uh, let's say at $1,500 US, well, if all of a sudden their lifting cost is $1,500 US and the price of gold is $5,000, those projects that were shuttered when gold was $1,800 an ounce would turn around and they're going to come to market. Nothing in this chart you're showing me has anything to do with price right now, right? There's no recommendation on price and supply and demand based on price. This is just pure supply based on math and code. And that's what's beautiful about Bitcoin. The supply has nothing to do with the price. Whereas gold, everyone says, well, gold is 2% per annum growth. Oh, is that right? Double the supply, excuse me, double the price and tell me that that supply will stick at 2% per annum and I'll call you a liar. Right? Very simply, guys. Awesome. I mean, in this, uh, with respect to this chart, I want to make sure that we get another question that uh, was definitely top of our minds this evening. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with with the, the context or the, the framework of this one, but uh, fuck Mary Kill, Steve Hankey, <laughs> Joe Weisenthal, or Peter Schiff. <laughs> I knew. Fight. It. So, so what was the question, Greg? F fight? No, 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 no. Uh, fornicate, marry, or kill 
Joe Weisenthal, Peter Schiff, or Steve Hanke? So, thanks, Steve Hanke. <laughs> like the the problem. Okay, so uh, uh, Joe Weisenthal is an interesting cat. All right, I sent him a copy of my paper telling Joe, Joe, I've called you out a number of times. You need to read my paper. And tell me where I'm wrong. I'm looking for criticism on my paper about why every fixed income investor needs exposure to Bitcoin. And he's like, dude, I'm so excited. I know I hate you on Twitter. I hate you with a passion, but I'm going to come back at you on your paper. Crickets from Joe. Crickets. Absolute crickets. The only thing he's coming back with is we're going to print this fucking token worth a trillion dollars and solve the debt spiral using accounting gimmickry. If that's the best that he can come up with, and it's not even directed at me, I'm, I'm actually appalled by the fact that he told me he would come back to me with some sort of uh, criticism against my paper and the debt spiral. Now, maybe he did go on a vacation and maybe he forgot. Maybe he has no idea who this monkey is in Canada. But I'll just tell you, I know he knows. In my heart of hearts, I know he knows he's wrong. And I believe he is living the mainstream media narrative to continue this accounting gimmickry. And that is outright very conflicted. And then I I'll talk about Steve Hankey. Steve Hankey. I, I don't mean to be rude, uh-huh. but I, I feel like you're avoiding the question here. And then uh, I think our, <laughs> audience, our audience deserves to know where you, uh, where you stand on this. Again, can you rephrase the question? Because I didn't quite hear the, do I <laughs> fornicate? Do I kill? Do I what? What was the, where are the three? The, uh, the question is, and it's, it's, a, it's a scientific. Uh, it, they say the yeah. same thing about, I've, I've played this game before, but never with professors and uh, mainstream media guys and stuff. Right. It's not a game. It's a, it's a, it's a data-driven analytical question. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, yeah. it's, it's related to Bitcoin. Okay. It's fuck, Mary kill, Steve Hankey, Jill Weisenthal, Peter Schiff. Uh, kill, kill, kill. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I have to do That's it. Okay. Kill, That's kill. okay. That's like, okay. I'm, I'm not a creature of violence, but at the end of the day, um, you're just killing game, their voices. Just, you're not this killing This is a joke them. game. We're not, we're not yeah, actually. Yeah, but seriously, you have to kill these voices of ill repute. You have to kill the narrative that is trying to sustain this absolute foolish and totally corrupt system. And right. these people are being paid to continue this corruption. And I just have to call out. I want to kill the corruption. I don't want to kill the person. I want to kill the corruption. The, let's bring it back. The 401ks depend on it. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back into a Bitcoin chat. I, I mean, I let's a, just make it a little more serious. Uh, I got okay. I got I got a question for for Greg. If uh, for me, if that's okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got the answers for you, Greg. Yeah, hit it! Hit it! Okay, so Greg. Greg Foss. So I've been paying attention to you for a while now, and uh, you have. A, a mathematical formula of how you get to $2 million per Bitcoin over a time. And that's with nine, $900 trillion in the total addressable market uh, multiplied by 5%, 5% chance that Bitcoin 
wins or succeeds or whatever you want to call it. And uh, with 21 million Bitcoin. So it's 45 trillion divided by 21. And you get around $2 million uh, per Bitcoin. And if, um, that's, I've, been, I've heard you say that quite a few times. And my question is, right now, we're basically at equities are at all-time high. Uh, bonds are bid up to all-time high. And, you know, the rates are going negative. Uh, real estate's basically at all-time high. Uh, the the money fiat is being printed at all time highs convexity right it's continuing to get printed faster and faster why do you give such a low percentage is my question of five percent why, why the five percent I love why you man berries? why so berries okay I love you guys okay but but stick with me here first of all it's in today's yeah. dollars I need to throw out that it's two million dollars per Bitcoin starting today all right now the second part is as simple as i can describe this why would i go for a price target of five times that high which i think is attainable until it gets to my price target i'm going to be like an equity analyst okay i'm going to go out there and say my price target on this stock is 40 bucks a share and then it gets to 40 and then you're like dang it's still doing as good as I thought it would good do. So then I'm going to go to 50. But Sean, please understand this, all right? It's even hard for me to go out and give a price target of 2 million bucks when it's trading at 150th, 150th of that amount in today's dollars. It like it's a rounding error. It's a rounding error, sir. But that, that is a rounding error. How about if I started with getting it to its intrinsic value based on credit default swaps of 150000 Just get it there and I'll adjust my price target up. But what I can't overcome is the fact that people are like, oh, Foss, I'm going to buy it at 40 and I'm going to sell it at 45. And I'm going to be like, you got to be the stupidest person in the room. Do you whoa, 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 Aren't Didn't you just come out say you traded around a core Bitcoin position? Can you repeat what you said? I've heard that. Yeah, confirmed. Recently. <laughs> yes. In a recent pod, you came Correct. out and said you traded around a core Bitcoin position. So what is the last sure. thing you said? What is the last thing you said, Zaj? I said a uh, core said, position. Well, that, that's two words. Fuck all of you. Okay, listen to me. <laughs> I have a core position. I have a core position. And I can trade like 10% of that core position. Don't come at me for getting my core position and then say, you know what? I'm going to arb the market because it's full of idiots. So I get my core position. And when it trades lower, I ship some in. And when the world wants some that I had bought at a lower price, I push some out, but I will never get rid of my core position. And that's because I've lived this for 30 years. I'm not advocating people who get into the market and they think they're the world's greatest trader. The world is a horrible trader, okay? The world is a horrible trader because human emotions don't allow you to be a good trader. Human emotions tell you to sell your winners and hold your losers in the hope that your losers come back. And I'll tell you as a trader for 30 years, that is a recipe for disaster. You need to buy your winner and pay more for your winner at a higher price and keep buying and buying and buying your winner. 
and get rid of your fucking losers as soon as you can. But human emotion goes against that because human emotion is like, oh, I really like to crystallize my gain so I can go to my girlfriend and tell her I made 2000 bucks. Guess what, fucking losers? You made 2000 bucks and you left 200000 on the table. Yeah, fuck you, Greg. Yeah, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> Greg Foss. Fuck, fuck you, me. Greg Foss. Fuck like, you, you know Greg what I'm saying? Guys, I love you guys. I just need to tell you, I've lived these markets and I'm not telling you everybody should be able. I needed you to understand. I have my core position. Yeah. And so I can... Greg, Greg. As a so we we all know here, right? You traded credit for thirty years, you know, and the argument now that that you're making that uh, even um, what's her name, Kathy Kathy Wood, has yes. made the same argument that that Bitcoin's going to replace bonds or credit, right? Um, so we understand that you have experienced trading in the, in this type of a, an arena before, and most people haven't. And so it's not really a good idea for most people to trade around Bitcoin. My question though, is would you ever get to a point as a lifelong trader where you say, hold on this thing, the wheels have fallen off so much that I, even I'm going to step out of trading around my core position oh. that I'm just going to go long. What a great question. Yes, 100%, because you always have to change your core allocation as the information changes, right? It's about the risk, right? It's a risk. Yellow, a great question. It's about risk. So I'm going to flip the narrative on my history in Bitcoin. When I first got involved in Bitcoin in 2016, Bitcoin was under $1,000 a coin. And I said, wow, this is a beautiful asymmetric re return opportunity. And I'm going to build a core position in Bitcoin based on all the information I have. And I'll tell you that if I was starting the same position from scratch today, after five years, I truly believe that Bitcoin is a better entry point today than it was five years ago. On a risk-adjusted basis, I think the probability of it achieving my price target, which has never changed, it was always 2 million of Bitcoin, even back in 2016. The only thing that has changed is my probability that it gets there. And why has my probability increased? Adoption, money printing. Countries are now accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. My God, can you walk yourself back, Sean, five years? And we said, El Salvador is going to be a country that accepts Bitcoin. And I would have said, pass the pipe, man. Like, fuck, I hope it happens. But you're absolutely high, right? But now it's a reality. And so anyone coming into this market right now, my price target has been absolutely the same. My distribution of probabilities, okay, has gone, the chance of it going to zero, I move it, the chance of it going down to something substantially above zero, but the tail of that probability, I need to, the tail has gotten so much wider, which means your upside has gotten so much more likely 
dang, I don't know how else to say this to people. Yeah. It's yeah, a I better think, a risk people, adjusted return right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people have trouble understanding that because when most people, a lot of noobs come into Bitcoin or crypto, they go, what do you mean? If I ever to buy it at $1,000 and now it's $45,000, why is it better now? And I think Because you like, come in with a certain amount to be able to invest. You don't come in with an idea that I'm going to, you know, I need to purchase something at 45,000 versus 1,000. You come in with a bucket of $10,000 into a new investment. It doesn't matter whether you're able to buy one fifth of a Bitcoin or you're able to buy 10 Bitcoin. It's a better investment right now on a risk adjusted. Simple, a simple answer will be, we just had a brief bear market so-called at around 30k, which is ridiculous. Right? <laughs> so you're, you're totally right. Like, let's not get caught up in this. I, I tr- honestly, I cannot tell you where the where the next $20,000 move in Bitcoin is. I think I know, but I'm not going to get bent out of shape if I'm wrong. I just know I have conviction that it's going to go to my price target. And I'm not sure how it's going to get there in a sawtooth or if it's going to be a straight up or if it's going to be this, a wave. I don't know. And I don't care because I'm owning this for my children. Yeah. Can you guys please understand that? It's not for your next fucking beer to go to the bar and impress the girls, okay? This is about owning something that you're going to pass to your children. On top of that, I don't know if anybody has a question, but I do. I have one. Uh, I think about more Bitcoin Marcos. right now. <laughs> Marcus, are these? Yeah, Greg, I, I was listening to uh, uh, Preston Fish talking to Luke Groman, and uh, there they mentioned, and I'm wondering how you look at it, having worked on the bond market, is that at what number market cap of Bitcoin does the bond market actually start to look at this thing and take it seriously and start uh, allocating? What a great question. What an absolutely great question. I think I responded to somebody, and Marcus, I'm not sure if it was you, but I did respond. Look, there are, like everywhere else in the world, there's a distribution of intelligence in the bond market, Okay. And you have some really smart bond market players and you have some absolute duds. And my answer is this. There's not a price. It's an adoption. And right now, the smartest players in the bond market are already investing in Bitcoin. And I throw my and I tip my cap to a gentleman by the name of Steve Tannenbaum at Golden Tree. And Golden Tree is a $45 billion credit hedge fund that has bought Bitcoin as insurance. Essentially, I'm going to paraphrase as insurance against inevitable fiat debasing. But I'm going to throw out a little story with you guys about when I first met Steve Tannenbaum in the 1990s. Okay. In 1990-something, I don't remember the year, I was trading at a, an investment bank in Canada and one of Canada's largest steel companies, in fact, it was the largest steel company, had gone bankrupt. And there was this kid at New York Life Insurance in New York, obviously, who was buying Stelco bonds because no one else in Canada would buy them. It happened to be Steve Tannenbaum. 
And I went down and met with him in the 1990s. And he'll never remember me from a hole in the wall. But I'll just tell you, he knew more about a Canadian steel company than anybody in Canada knew about the steel company. Yeah. And when he started buying Bitcoin, I'm like, hey, that doesn't surprise me. This guy has done more work in the history of things I've been involved with him on than generally anybody in the same playground. And the fact that he's buying it gives me tremendous confidence that those other idiots who have an IQ way lower than him will someday come around. And if they don't, they'll get what they deserve, right? You pay people peanuts, you get monkeys. There's a lot of monkeys in the bond market, but Steve Tannenbaum is not one of them. And he's made the appropriate decision on behalf of his unit holders to buy Bitcoin. So I don't think it's about a price. I think it's about a movement. And there's a lot of people who are followers in the bond market. And all it takes is a few people to indicate that they own Bitcoin and the rest of people are going to run to get their weighting. So if a CalPERS comes into the bond market, CalPERS is the California pension, sorry, CalPERS, uh, something employee retirement system or whatever, right? Okay, look, it's one of the largest pension funds in the world. Imagine if they announce they own 1% of Bitcoin. Don't you think every other single pension fund in the world is going to get up to that weight? Because CalPERS has opened the door. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't heard more from insurance companies. Same thing, uh, Greg. It's the same thing. Look, it's all, they're all competing against each other. Yep. There's a, there's a, a theory out there. It's called the theory of agents. All of these agents who manage your risk are very comfortable not doing anything provided no one else does anything, which means I'm not going to get into Bitcoin unless 20% of my cohort gets into Bitcoin. And then I'm going to be comfortable getting into Bitcoin because as long as everyone else is in, I'm not going to look like the idiot that got in. The cowards. I'm sorry? (laughs) They're cowards. Well, they're sheep, they're lemmings, they're whatever. It's just they're trying to protect their job, Sean. That's the funny thing is, right? Like if you're a a government uh, employee managing a pension fund, you're like, well, as long as I don't screw up too badly and everyone else screws up as badly as I screw up, then I'm going to be able to show people that I'm a fucking idiot, but everyone (laughs) else was an idiot too. Right. That's the way pension funds are managed. I'm I'm the less idiot of the bonds. You could, but that's not going to get you yellow. Imagine you're the guy that goes out on the extreme and you're like, guys, I just showed performance that was at the 97th percentile. They're going to say, great job, yellow. I'm giving you a $30,000 a year bonus and you're going to be pumped. But then yellow, you go out and you do an extreme bet and you you, you, you cost the pension fund money, they fire you. You're fucking out of, you're out of a job. You're like, the risk return trade-off of being on the tails of a distribution, it's not worth it for these poor people. They Craig, want to keep I'm, their job. Craig, I'm memeing for a living, so yeah. You're doing what? <laughs> I'm memeing for a living, so I cannot go lower, you know? <laughs> he memes for a living. I think I love you. has a question. I, you're memeing. You're not, man. Look, guys, here's what I know about the Bitcoin community. <laughs> Fuck, man. There should be a Bitcoin party, right? 
a meme party. There should be a Bitcoin party. I think there will be over time. I swear to you, I think there will be. This is the smartest community. You mean like a a political party or like the $100,000 party? There could be both. And I think one will lead to another, right? Don't you think? And in Canada, there's this politician that I have tremendous faith in. I'm sorry? Vote for the meme factory. <laughs> the next vote for the meme factory. You can't vote for something that doesn't exist. All right. It's yeah. coming, buddy. I promise you. There's a there's a politician in Canada that's going to make yeah. uh, make some stuff happen. And there's What's also the some yep. And there's some the politicians. Right? Yep, that's my man. And there's some politicians in the U.S. The same thing. This is really about people who do research, who actually know when there's an opportunity to make a difference for the world. And I'll just go back to our Chinese little uh, uh, statement at the beginning. China has given up an opportunity that the West should grab and run with, and it will make all the difference in the future for our children. If the leaders have enough foresight, do enough research and actually have gonads to be able to do it. Okay? They need some gonads. We need right. gonads. You have any, any any input about the um, I think sex uh, sex sex uh, announcement about like not uh, banning uh, uh Bitcoin from I think it was Powell. That's Oh yeah, that was Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's he's uh Okay, I'll go with Gensler at the beginning. Um, he's taught a course. I think he understands the absolute, uh, the purest way of separating uh, these digital assets out is about decentralization versus centralization. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Powell. Uh, you put a, a lawyer in any position and he's going to like paint himself into a corner so that he protects himself on all sorts of legal bases. Um I don't think we need a lawyer in the most important risk chair in the world right now, personally. Um, I really hope that there's someone that gets there that uh, has actually managed a portfolio in their life uh, rather than a, uh, you know, managing a, uh, a statement. Well, let's put this word in here and remove this word over here. And the world is going to understand that what we're trying to say, like, that's just nothing but fed speak. So um but what, what, what could he do? He can't really do anything at this point, right? He's, he's I mean, pooched. He's absolutely pooched. There is absolutely no escape from this. If the Fed tries and tapers, tries to taper, the U.S. dollar rallies and the world goes into recession. Very yeah. simple. It's over. They have no out. Why are we overlooking the simplicity of this situation? It's, it's actually not funny, but it's so simple. Yeah. It seems like it's like either debate, either debase the dollar or choose a deflationary collapse. Sean, it's a great way what you said. Look, all fiats are debasing. It's just that the U.S. dollar in times of crisis, it's the ice cube that's all it's still melting. But everyone runs to that ice cube because all of their ice cubes are melting even faster. What a stupid Mm -hmm. game, right? What a dumb game. Oh, I'm going to get on a uh, on a melting ice cube because that ice cube is going to allow me to survive longer than my own ice cube, which is melting at a faster rate. Let's get on an iceberg 
Let's get on something that actually can stay, has staying power. It's called Bitcoin. It's very simple. Uh, Craig, uh, do you have any fears that um, because they, they cannot ban Bitcoin, their way of controlling Bitcoin uh, through re- over regulation or whatever, uh, do you do you have that fear of Bitcoin becoming like a Bitcoin Bitcoin with an exclamation mark in the end, like Disneyland or paper gold or something? Yeah, like that? great question. Again, look, I have a five percent chance of my price target or my scenario coming true. That means I have a ninety-five percent worry about all these other things, right? Well, how about if we were at fifty-fifty? This this question would be amazing when it was 50-50, like it was balanced. But now it's only 5% that my glorious scenario comes true and 95% chance that it doesn't. Why? In that 95% chance, man, I could put in just about everything. You know, <laughs> I could put in uh, quantum computing. I can put in Armageddon where there's an alien that comes in with an even better money than Bitcoin and we're all fucked like all of that. But that's in 95%. I'm not sure what else I can put in there. Yeah. I'll just tell you, I'm taking the 5%. Give me the 5% guys. That's all I want. Oh yeah. Ardi, do you have anything? Huh? Ardi? I think Ardi is on mute. <laughs> I, I'm not asleep. Okay. Uh, enough what was the amazing. What was the chimpanzee question, Greg? I was going to say I've got, I've got one question before we. Uh, it's not a chimpanzee question. And, okay. And it's, it's an important one because uh, the community was asking about it. Okay. And this is something that uh, Preston Pish was unable to answer. So if you can answer it, you've got one up on Preston. Preston is Preston is one heck of a a brainiac. So uh, I don't have a whole lot of confidence here. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So where on the on the primate line, the great apes, right? Where do you draw the line on an ape that you think you can beat up versus an ape that you don't think you can beat up? And I'll put this into context for you because the the uh, dividing line I gave Preston for myself was a lemur. I feel like I could beat up a lemur, but not lemur an orangutan. Isn't a monkey. It's no. not a Listen, monkey. do you know how strong a monkey is compared to us? Do you know that that guy has like 27 times the strength of a regular human? I'm not even going against, I, I fight no, not none of those guys. They will destroy no, 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 no. You got you to pick something. You can beat up a spider monkey. I mean, they're like this big. How big are they? Like how much do they weigh? Can I can I can I plead the the ignorance factor here uh, on, a, on, a, on a pure weight to uh, strength basis? We have nothing against those. Those are the most beautiful fighting machines ever. And I'm going to throw something back at you. Do you know how a monkey eats a banana? Banana bread. They Yo, actually, <laughs> so you know how a monkey comes off, or excuse me, a, a banana comes off the vine and it has the uh, the thing up there, right? The the stem. Yeah, yeah. And all all humans eat the eat the banana from the stem. They Try turning the over the, the banana and eating the banana from the reverse, you peel it from the top and you use the, the, the stem like a popsicle stick. It's friggin' brilliant. All right. It's easier to peel and you have the stem in your hand. Yet us idiot humans, we <laughs> think that you're supposed to peel it from the popsicle stick. 
And Watch also, a monkey eat a banana. And it it's a beautiful thing. And it also doesn't break in the end, like in the end of the stem, like that always bang, does. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. See, we've been taught oh, by God. fiat idiots how to eat a banana. <laughs> I want to try it I got to put your first bite is that little black thing. It's okay. You have to rip that little black thing off the top. You're totally yeah. right, Sean. You got to take that little black thing off the okay. top. And after we that, are, it's beauty. We are in the topic, so I have to ask. Uh, banana bread, uh, are you for it or against it? <laughs> I'm from Quebec, man. Banana bread is a staple. Staple. Yeah. Banana bread yeah. is a thing of yeah. beauty. Yeah. And yeah. you got to put walnuts in it. You got to put walnuts Ooh. in your banana yeah. bread. Okay. Well, Beautiful. We kind of take no, it. no banana, no walnuts. No, 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 no it's okay. I'm a banana okay. bread purist. That's all. It's like a second layer to banana bread. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the light. It's you got to like try like breaking a banana in half uh, next it's time. It works chain. a lot better. Walnuts are a side chain. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think we are over uh, one hour. Way um, over. Way over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we can talk, I can talk to Greg all day long, but we gotta let we gotta let. We're very go. appreciative yeah. of your time. I had today, a great Greg. time, gentlemen. I am so 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 appreciative of your friendship, and uh, and I really really appreciate our t- our time together. Uh, anytime, I, I promise you, I I enjoy this way more than you guys enjoy me. So um, if, uh, if please I have me back, Greg, please have me Greg, back. Uh, a, a goodbye question uh, you want to ask it or not because it's something i personally be thinking a lot i'm in this space from 2013 i know you from 16 so you've been to this space a few years and uh you you have experience from markets uh, all those years back so are you experiencing uh, what i call bitcoin fatigue meaning if you know the matrix uh uh matrix film like are they are there some points in your life that you wish you took the blue pill like cypher i mean <laughs> i don't know if it's like a personal thing i'm experiencing or because like bitcoin is such a strong truth for everything it changes your perspective about everything so when does um bitcoin when when does when is the line that you use Bitcoin for your freedom, and uh, that and Bitcoin doesn't use you, basically. Yeah, I think I understand the question. It's a beautiful question. Um, I have a, an expression, right? I I, I I have two expressions. One is it's only math, and the other one is don't overthink it, right? I I, I challenge you guys. And this is what I challenge myself with sometimes is never looking at the price of Bitcoin on a given day. It's hard. And especially, you know, I do it on weekends a lot better because I typically don't trade on weekends. But if you can try and understand that we have a long game in plan and there's short term uh, uh, volatility and vibrations and and sometimes you feel like the king of the world and other times you feel like an absolute plug try and understand that we're doing this as a game plan to make the world a better place uh and that really five thousand dollar moves in bitcoin in the context of its forty thousand dollar price right now really doesn't matter 
I know it matters on your P&L and it matters in the context of you thinking whether you're wealthy or you're less wealthy. I promise you this Bitcoin community is the thing that will build wealth more than anything. You're going to meet people in this community that are going to make the world a better place regardless of the price of Bitcoin. And I'm going to throw this back to young kids like Jack Mahler's. I just can't tell you how impressed I am with a kid who's, I think, under the age of 25. All right. And the stuff that he that he puts out on payment rails and settlements. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How is it possible? Like, did some alien come down and make themselves Jack Maulers? Because it's impossible on a probability basis that this kid is this smart after only being here for 25 years. So try and- He's got, remove, a, pedi- he's got a pedigree in the space though. That's good, man. But like, yeah. that's what makes humans the top of the food chain. Yep. Like humans tend to promote themselves to the point where you get your best rulers or your smartest people managing, except in the, in the form of politics, because anyone with a brain doesn't want to go into politics because it's like, a, a, you know, and that's the unfortunate part of this. Canada has the worst leader in the history of mathematics. Okay. <laughs> it's really <laughs> disgraceful. And, and yet this knucklehead got reelected by the skin of his teeth. It cost us $600 million on an election for him to win three more seats and still have a minority government. That's $200 million per seat. <laughs> and the world's in that, or Canada's in an actually no better position, but we just vaporized $600 million. God, put Jack Maulers in, chat, in, in charge of a country. Hell yeah. Man, oh man, like I just can't tell you what a loser Justin Trudeau is and what a winner Jack Maulers is. And I want the Jack Maulers of the world and Justin Trudeau can fuck himself. Okay. He's the biggest fucking loser I've ever met in my life. And he still got elected by 32% of Canadian population or voting population elected him. I think we can all. And 34% went for the opposition, but the way our electoral map works, he still got in. What a shame. I put my faith in the Jack Maulers and the young kids and the Bitcoin community over the incumbents like Justin Trudeau. And just because his papa had dough and was Pierre Trudeau, we're going to elect this monkey as a politician in Canada. Like, it's just absolutely wrong. Okay. So there's my rant on, on the problems with the political system in Canada. I probably could draw a parallel to the U.S. political system, but I won't because I don't want too much hate mail. I get enough hate mail as a Canadian. Uh, but, but here's the truth, guys. Let's keep speaking out against this atrocity, against these guys that have no clue how financial markets work. Justin Trudeau was on TV in Canada saying, forgive me if I don't care about monetary policy. What? Come on. If he was the CEO of a company, he'd be fired on the spot. But in Canada, we reelect him because, you know, he's a pretty boy. I think um, you just lost the stream. Much everything. No, we didn't. Like, uh, the, the, it's black for a few seconds. I potatoed it. 
I think fade uh, the black. The guys, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. Um, thank you for having me again. All right, I love Canada. I love the United States. The world needs leaders who will tell the truth. And I'm sick of leaders who are lying to the population for their next four years in office. We got to call this out. We got to actually make the changes. And I love Jack Maulers for calling out the likes of Steve Hankey as a disgrace. I will second that. It's a disgrace when you get the incumbent elite and the privileged. I love Jack Maulers for calling him out. Brilliant. We, we co-sign and, fuck Trudeau. And uh, we also have to uh, disclose to anybody uh, watching or listening. I don't know if it's a podcast or a stream, depending if I, we have video or not. Um, <clears throat> we are also sponsored by uh, Strikes uh, Watermark. So <laughs> if you want uh, one of the best watermark out there for your memes, it's the Strike Watermark. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and that is the strike watermark. It's not strike itself. Thank you. I think, <laughs> I think uh, it was a pleasure having you, Craig. And um, we'll, do, we'll do this again. Super. Anytime, time today. anytime, guys. Sean Harris, uh, thank you for joining us from Spain. I have no idea what time it is over there, but uh, I'm going to do a calculation in my head. Is it uh, 3? It's either 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. I'm in, I'm in the Canary Islands, so it's 2 a.m. 2 a.m., brother. All right. Thank you for everything you do for the community. And, uh, Greg, uh, I look forward to uh, coming down to Tampa and uh, and meeting you down there. All right? See you. Thank, Thank you, boys. Thanks, Greg. Good night. Bye. Good night. Good night. Thanks. Love God you guys. Day. Love you.
Designed and directed by his red right 